favorites. I'm sorry. I grew up going to church, too. I just love that whole thing of, like, the freshness of God and people, you know. So if you don't know any people, like, you need to find them, you know, and get around those people who didn't grow up in church because they have a real different perspective. Travis said something last week. Um, He was talking about how people say the church hurt me. Well, people hurt people, right? People go to church. So you could say the church hurt you, but like everybody in the church didn't hurt you because we are the church. Like Stuart was saying this morning, I love that. Like we come to church, but we're called to be the church, like to go be the church. So as we are going, we hurt people. And so, you know, I'm sorry for the way the church, somebody who went to church has hurt you over the years. And so I really am. And I don't say that like, oh, well, I'm so sorry. No, I really am. Because it's, it's hard. It's hard when we're working with humans. Because we have a hard time, humans. We are born into sin. But there's a way out. And so you don't have to stay there. That's the thing is you can get hurt. It's like if I have a broken leg... Rather than, like, letting my legs stay twisted in a 90-degree angle, I'm going to find the nearest physician, get that thing fixed, right? Like, I'm not going to just keep walking around with one leg sticking out like this. (laughs) But some of us are walking around like that in our spirit, man. There's a doctor. (laughs) You don't have to walk around like that. It's much easier to get the heart healed than it is the leg. I mean, honestly, because he's like always around 100% success rate. You know, like it's pretty cool. Um, so this, we are an army in this room, an army of warriors. And so my title today is Followers of Christ, the Beloved, the Beloved. Because if you're not being loved, you can't be a warrior. You've got no, nothing to give away. you got nothing to fight with. So there are people all over the world who believe in God and believe in Jesus. There's an, another step to that. So after we believe, we become disciples. And that's where the warriors are. They're the disciples of Christ. And if you, there's a bunch of y'all who grew up in church, you know all those Bible stories. Those people that Jesus talked about, they didn't believe in Jesus. They were disciples. Okay, so they did believe in Jesus. They did both. I don't want to say they didn't believe in Jesus because there were people who didn't in the Bible. They believed in Jesus and they were disciples. So we're going to talk about that a little bit, but that Graham Cook word is so good. And if you don't believe that you're loved as much as you could ever be loved, then I would love for you to listen to that every morning when you wake up. It's called Inheritance by Jonathan David Helser. H-E-L-S-E-R, just like it sounds. No tricky double S's or anything. Inheritance. And it's a nine and a half minute song and that part is from 115 to 655. Um, but you don't have to know all that. Listen to the whole song. This whole song's amazing. But I just wanted y'all to hear. You are loved. So I'm going to tell you a little story. So my, I have a really good friend. Her name is Amber White. And she lives in Fort Worth, Texas. And one day y'all are going to get to meet her. Um, she and her husband Chris are on our board for the awakening. They have two amazing children. And Keen is um, Keen is seven, and Naya just turned three. So Keen and Zer- Amber and I were pregnant together in Fort Worth. We have pictures of us with our little tummies, all our kids talking through the tummy, and so arranging marriages for Zuri and Keen and um, that kind of thing going on. So we um, went through that together, really fun. And then Amber got pregnant with Naya. And at 27 weeks, she had a sonogram that showed that her, um, 
Her baby was born was going to be born with O E I S, which means everything from her belly button to her pelvis would be outside of her body instead of inside of her body. So if you think about what's down there, it's your intestines, your stomach, your gallbladder, your pancreas, your um, ovaries, your all that is going to be on the outside of her body instead of on the inside. It happens when your body splits cells. You have one cell, it splits into two, and then one of those splits into two, and the bottom one did not form correctly. So the top two were fine, and the bottom one was not. That was at 27 weeks. How many people know how long you're pregnant? Jesse Goodwin, how long are you pregnant? <laughs> there you go. How long are you pregnant? Well, close to 40 weeks, 40-something 40 weeks, 38 to 42. It's a pretty good range. So 27 is pretty early, you know? Like, you're kind of just getting started, you know? You, like, have been excited for a while, but, like, you're starting to think about names. You get to know if you're having a girl or a boy, all that kind of stuff. So if you want to know, unlike the Johnsons, who are going to surprise us. And so um, I love all these babies getting ready to be here. And so um, Amber found out she was pregnant, and we found that she just had this situation with um, her baby. And so she called me. We talk a lot. And when I got off the phone with her, I felt such a range of emotions. I was mad, so mad. I was sad. I was overwhelmed. I was stressed out. I had a really loud conversation with God, and I said, what do I do? I've never had a friend who had, like, a traumatic pregnancy. The first thing her doctors told her was that she needed to abort her baby, and so, and they told her that if she didn't, it was child abuse, and so she's 27 weeks, so she's got a long time to go before she has this baby, right? So I'm like all worked up, like you can imagine. I mean, I'm telling you all this, y'all are worked up. You're like, who is that? I need to find them. I know. Okay. So all of this is happening in me. And the Lord said, you are going to have to receive more of my love so that you can love her. I didn't know how, like I've never done this. Any of you have ever been in a situation? You're like, I've never done this. Okay, well, if you haven't, you'll get to soon because the world is changing, right? And we aren't going to agree with all of the people God puts in our path to love. So get ready. These are what disciples do. Disciples have to get more love to give away. So here's my friend in a really hard situation. I'm really far away. I want to hug her. I want to punch God in the face. This is how I really feel. I have this habit of being honest. And so um, <laughs> I um, was. And he said, well, you're going to have to receive some more love. And I said, all right, I'm ready. And so he opened me up. He stretched me out. He made my heart bigger. And it hurt. He pushed himself in because I said, yes, I'll receive more love. I will love Amber. I will walk all the way through this. Now, did I do that alone? No way. I called Jesse Goodwin. I called Laura Pulliam. I called Rachel. I sent it. I told everybody at the awakening. I'm like, we got this baby in the womb and we are like, get your swords out because we're fighting. Now I was this front person. Like I was up front because Amber's my friend. But they were all with me because I'm being stretched to receive more love. They all got to receive more love, too, because it was hard. It was really hard. When Naya flatlined in Boston, yeah, that was really hard. And she's still alive. <laughs> and so they're all sick right now except Naya. I love it. I just love it. Anyway, um, Chris is like, I'm taking Naya to the park because she, like, can't get what they all have. Anyway, Naya's amazing. She's three. 
I had to receive more love. Amber called me every week after her doctor's appointment to debrief about she had to fight for her baby's life. She had a phrase that we came up with, and it was, I didn't give my baby life. I can't take her life. So that was it. She didn't fight with her doctors. She just would say, that's all she would say. They would tell her, you, you need to do this. She would say, I didn't give my baby life. I can't take her life. And so um, there were many times I had like a bag packed and I was ready to go. And, you know, I had people I was going to call and they were going to help me get my kids off the bus and get my family taken care of because I, we have responsibilities. And it was like I could go at any minute. There were people here at the awakening that were ready for me to go be help. And then it happened one day. They were in Cincinnati. And Chris called me and said, it's time. You need to come. So I did. I left at like 4 o'clock in the morning and drove to Cincinnati and um, was with Amber in the hospital. Because Amber spent a year, um, almost a year, in the hospital uh, with Naya. And so that wasn't a place where I had to receive more love. Maybe you guys have been in situations where you have a family member who got sick or you had a... a so, you know, something happened that you lost your job, or maybe you didn't get the outcome you thought you were going to get on something you had poured your life into. You had an opportunity to receive more of God's love. Why? Because he has something for you to give that to. You're becoming a disciple of Christ. All right, so that's where we're going this morning. I have one other thing I need to say. So this is a little devotional called My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. It's really old. How long, how old is this thing? What's the? World War I. Okay, like old guy. Oswald, he's not with us anymore. He's in glory, okay? I have been through four of these. I destroy them. I like, they fall apart. I've been reading this not this one, but this devotional for 20 years. My hero in my home church, Helen Pollard, she, has, she reads this devotional, and that's when I started reading it. If you, like, don't have a devotional and you want to be a disciple of Christ, this is a good one. Most of my sermon is from here. It's from Oswald Chambers. So you may read this and be like, oh, Jessica talked about that. That wasn't original. No, it wasn't. It, it came from here, okay? So I just, sometimes I quote him and sometimes I don't because it becomes like my own version of what he's saying. But I just wanted to let y'all know it's amazing. Okay, so Travis has been talking about Song of Songs. This is the only time I'm even going to say Song of Songs today because I'm not preaching on that. But... The Song of Songs is about becoming the beloved, becoming a disciple of Christ. And if we are going to go and make disciples, do you think it would be a good idea for us to start at home? Like, do you want to see our city changed? Sure. Well, we need to become disciples. Okay. We're going to talk about how Paul became a follower of Christ. All right, I'm going to pick this up and read it. All right, this is in Acts 26. And when we had fallen, so y'all know Paul was walking with several people down the Damascus Road, and he was going to persecute Christians, and the people that were with him saw a bright light. It was so bright that they fell down. The stuff is real. That sounds like a movie. It's real. It happened, okay? So they all fell down, and when we had all fallen to the ground, I, Paul, heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? That's just weird to me. Who are you, Lord? It's like, what's your name, Stuart? I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm, I don't have a sermon about that. I just think it's interesting. <laughs> Read the Bible. It's amazing, okay? <laughs> Who are you, Lord? Anyway, I'd love to ask him why he said that. And the Lord said, I am Jesus, 
whom you are persecuting. But get up and stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you and appointed you a minister and a witness not only to these things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you, rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. To open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sin and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. So we're going to talk about verse 18. To open their eyes to see so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God. Realizing that we live in darkness and need to turn towards the light, understanding that there is truth that will set us free, and believing in that truth and confessing Jesus as Lord is step one. It is a very important step, and I don't want to miss it. It is step one. There is one way to the Father, and it is through Jesus. Faith in Jesus. Okay, part B. Some of us stop at part A. And it gets tricky when you just believe in Jesus. It just gets, it's hard because you, you'll see why it gets hard. All right, they might, that they may receive forgiveness of sin and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. We, oh, that's really little. I'm going to read it. It's okay. We have to receive. What do we receive what you might ask. Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. We receive perfect love. Perfect love that cast out fear. Anybody ever dealt with fear? Oh, a few of y'all. That's nice to know we're in good company. Okay, so we have need for this. Now, remember, if you just believe, you're still afraid. But if you receive, you don't have to be afraid anymore. Forgiveness of sin. Remember, if you believe, your python is still alive. If you receive forgiveness, it's ugly and big, but it's dead. <laughs> I mean, right? Okay. Jeremy, I love that story. <laughs> inheritance. If you believe in Jesus, you try to get your own inheritance. If you receive from Jesus, he came and died that you could have abundant life. Revelation. you got to go find your own revelation. Or if you receive, you can have an Ephesians kind of revelation that God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. That is so good. Who doesn't want that? This is, it's really important to know that we've received sanctification. That's the part we like to skip. Can I please just not be sanctified? <laughs> I'm going to believe I don't need to be sanctified. Sanctified, that's where the, the fuller soap comes in. That's the refiner's fire. <laughs> We're like, no, I want the fire of God, the light glory. Not the transformation part. Oh, here's Oswald. When we are born again, it is that we may receive something as a gift from Almighty God and not because of our own decision. Some of you know this. Some of you don't. It doesn't matter. But when we're giving away salvation to people, when we're going and making disciples, it's really important not to just get them to say, okay, yes, I'll believe in your God. Will you receive something from him? Because many of us are hurt, and we're scared to receive anything. Because if you receive something, it might require something of you. Uh-oh. Sanctification. Oh, Peter. Peter loved Jesus so much. <laughs> he did. He just loved Jesus so much. And he was so passionate and zealous and sometimes he got his cart before the horse. 
But the cool thing is God, Jesus loved Peter way more than Peter loved Jesus. I mean, he just thought Peter was the cat's pajamas. I don't really know what that means. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> cat's meow. Yeah. It's better, thanks. Simon Peter said to him, this is in John 13. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Why did Peter ask? Peter was nosy. Read about Peter. Just read about him. He's so fun to read about. Almost anyone can relate to Peter. So he's nosy. Lord, where are you going? Jesus said, you can't come with me. (laughs) Yes, I can. I can go anywhere with you. I will go anywhere with you, Jesus. Let me read it. It says, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus said, where you go, where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. Peter said to him, Lord, why can't I follow you right now? I mean, I just feel like I do that, you know? <laughs> like, he's like, Jessica, he'll like let me into something. You remember he gets to give it, we get wisdom, revelation, the knowledge of him. So we like get in there with him and we're like, oh, that sounds really cool, Jesus. I want to do that. I'm coming. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. He said, just stop, Jessica, stop. I'm going to go up here. I'm going to get it ready for you, okay? And I'm going to get you ready for it. You just wait right there. Peter's like, no, no, I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. And then he sneaks around, you know, and comes in. Okay, he says, I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, said, will you lay down your life for me? How many of y'all know when Jesus asks you a question, (laughs) he doesn't really need the answer? (laughs) Like he already knows everything. It's kind of like with your kids, you like ask them questions, but you already know You already know what the answer is, but you're just trying to get them to know the answer. So, will you lay down your life for me, Peter? And then Jesus says this. Truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. So, this is saying, like, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me. Peter's like, I'll go anywhere with you. Did you not hear me? Peter Natural devotion will draw us to Jesus. It will also fill us with passion and zeal because it is super exciting to learn about Jesus, right? You, like, find out about this person and you believe. Think about when you first knew Jesus, how exciting that was. But natural devotion will not make us disciples. When our salvation is based on what we did then we're in charge of our life. And our decision to trust in our own strength. So if we made the decision, if it's all about us believing, then it's us that has to lead us into everlasting abundant life. So how abundant can you make your life? You can make it pretty good. Don't be silly. Like, you can work really hard and make a pretty great life. I mean, just think about some of the things you could do. We've got some amazing people in here, so I'm not discrediting you. And compare that to what Jesus could give you. Like, your plan's bad. (laughs) Like, it's not nearly as good. But we all tend to try it out and see how we can do. But if you haven't received, remember... Love that casts out fear, forgiveness from sin, inheritance, sanctification. If you don't receive, then you get to trust in yourself. But you're like, no, I believe in Jesus. Right. There's another step. It's that trust step. And remember, if we're hurt, it's hard to trust. God knew Peter better than Peter knew Peter. Do you all agree with that after hearing that story? Peter thought a lot of himself. 
He also knows you better than you know you. And while you think your life should look different right now, evidently he doesn't. I mean, because it doesn't. (laughs) So you can just take a minute and think about that thing that you wish was different. And be like, okay, God, you know me better than I know me. Thanks. It's not like superficial. Like, go ahead and do it. (laughs) Remember, I like interactive church. So that thing that you wish was different. Thank you, God. You know me better than I know me. It takes a minute. I know it, took, it takes time for me, too. So I, I wrote this. So, like, I had a minute already. So I'm just giving you all a minute. <laughs> we don't know ourselves or what we're capable of the way that God does. So I think, or let's, I'm going to use Toddy. She's not here. Natalie's sick this morning. Toddy thinks that she's capable of helping one foster baby. Maybe 50. She might think big and think 75. But God sees Toddy can not only help 75 or 750 foster babies, but can help that many mamas and daddies as well. Because she never thought about that. Because she didn't know what she was capable of. So, you have ideas about yourself, and they're not wrong. Okay? That's okay. Like, you, you have dreams and visions and passions. That's great. But it doesn't compare to what God thinks about you. And he never thinks less of you than you think of yourself. (laughs) I mean, just say that from God to you. Jessica, my sweet daughter, you think a lot more of yourself than I think of you. My dad on earth wouldn't say that about me. Even my in-laws wouldn't say that about me. Like, God, come on. He would never say that about me, right? Like, and they're all human. They do love me a lot, and I'm really thankful for that. But anyway, I'm a little spoiled. Um, When we know we are loved and whose we are, then we're able to rest and trust and live in our true identity and destiny. So if you're not lobbying for more of God's love, God, love me more. Love me more than that person. Do you love me more than them? I hope you love me more than that. Oh, I don't think, I think you do love me more than them. Oh, my goodness, you should love them more. We think like that. It's just not real. He loves everybody the same, even really horrible people. He's God. Okay, the sanctification part, I would be not myself if I didn't talk about it just a minute. But And just so you know, when I say he loves everybody the same, I hope that I get to know all of you. But once you know me, like, I'm not into greasy grace. <laughs> like, I'm definitely not a greasy grace person. What is greasy grace? It's like you can sin and there's no consequences. That's not in the gospel. That was made up by people. Ask people who have lived in sin if there are consequences to their sin. (laughs) I mean, just ask them. (laughs) You don't have to give examples like Joe is saying, but I'm just telling you, there are consequences to your sin. And it's not a good idea to lay in it. It's just not. It's not abundant life. You haven't received Jesus. You might believe in him. But if you're choosing to walk around in your sin, it's because the received part was left out of the equation. So, 
Sanctification isn't nearly as painful when you know why you're doing it. I actually just had a conversation with Clint and told him that this week's workouts were really hard for my body. But because I've been going to the gym for one year, praise Jesus, hallelujah, I've had a team of people fighting my giant, and, um, and he's gotten really small, and so um, he's not nearly as big as he used to be when I just wanted to turn my back and pretend he wasn't there, but I have kind of a fitness giant, have a self-image giant that's getting really small, and so um, we all have giants, you know, and mountains, whatever you want to call them, but um, they're worth facing and you don't need to do it alone. So I was just telling Clint, I was like, this week's workouts were really hard. Not hard, like hard, like they were doable, but they were hard on my body. And I feel like I went through, um, I, I'm not an athlete, but I, <laughs> Travis said I feel like I went to Disney um, for the parents in the room. <laughs> anyway, um, so I feel like I've been to um, conditioning camp. You know, where I just like broke my body down some. And it's really great because I feel my muscles rebuilding. So it feels really good. So when you know why you're doing something, it's, it's so worth it. It almost feels good. So when you know you're becoming a disciple of Christ, sanctification is amazing. Yes, pain has a purpose. I have one slide that's going to be so little. I, am, I just can't wait for what it looks like. Y'all are going to be able to read it at all because these were huge on the computer. Anyway, he will call upon me, and I will answer him, and I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. If we weren't going to have trouble, we wouldn't have verses like that in the Bible. He would have never told us that. If he... He's going to be with us in trouble. He would have just said, I'm going to be with you. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation? Distress? Persecution? Famine? Nakedness? Peril? Sword? Just as it is written, for your sake, we are being put to death all day long. We are considered sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. So what's going to separate us from the love of Christ? So he keeps his love on. Do you keep yours on? Do you stay open or do you shut the door? Or like, "Mm -mm, you can't let me in here. This is mine. Sorry. It hurts too bad. No love in here. I'm protecting this. Because if I let you in here, then it's going to hurt. Because I'm going to have to say it's real. So I'm keeping this closed. This is mine. I get to be my own abundant life maker in this area. I get to set my own self free. I get to forgive my own self. You were not the perfect sacrifice, I'm sorry to tell you, but he was, and he can set you free. It happens a lot with, it, with addicts. Addicts don't want to be addicts. Do you know how inconvenient it is to be addicted to substances that make you not able to go to work and destroy your relationships? It is not fun. Ask one. They can be in addiction or recovering. It's not convenient. They're not like, woohoo, party! It's like, why do I keep doing this? It's destroying me and everyone around me. I want to stop. Okay? So, but what happens with addicts is with the addiction comes so much shame and so much pain from all the mess that's made. That they don't want to let anyone in, including God. So they're like, you can't let me in here. I'm going to take care of this. Anybody, any of you ever watched an addict destroy themselves? I have. My dad. 
and there was a moment in his life where he was like, okay, so I'm like not doing a good job at this whole setting myself free. So I'm going to let you, God, come in here and set me free. And he's free. He's amazing. I mean, he's amazing. Like 1991, December 31st, he let God in, set him free. It's like the most amazing papa and friend and dad. And I mean, he's at my house all day yesterday. And, you know, I mean, he's just amazing. It does, has no control over him. So when you close those places off, you let tribulation and distress and persecution and famine and nakedness and peril and sword separate you from the love of God. He never turns his love off. He's not like, oh, you did drugs today. I don't love you. Really? <laughs> I mean, no, he doesn't do that. Paul was not referring to Im imaginary things. He wasn't like, oh, you know, like nakedness similar to, you know, he's like, he's, he's not trying to make uh, analogies here. He's talking about things that are real. He says that we're victorious not because of our own genius, our own, like, ability to just, like, think amazing things, or because of our courage, but because that none of these things will affect our relationship with God in Jesus Christ. So if we can keep the doors open no matter what, then we become disciples and we get set free. As disciples, I talked about my friend Amber, you know, and so raise your hand if you've helped fight that battle with Naya. Be proud of it. So many of you have. Okay, so y'all look, these are my like, they like fight with me, okay? All right, so when I say Naya, there's something that happens in their heart. When I say her name. There's, like, anticipation. There's anxiety. There's excitement. There's all kinds of things. Because we've been on a roller coaster with this baby. We, you don't ever know what I'm going to say. <laughs> Keep us on our toes, right? So when you go to war with someone, intimacy increases. So, like, I have a relationship with those people that raise their hand that I don't have with anyone else because we've been at war over a life. There are people in your circle that you have relationship with because y'all been at war over something. Don't be afraid to tell people about that place that you want to keep closed. Let them fight with you. Is it hard, vulnerable, painful? Yeah. But when you hunker down in a bunker with somebody, you get real close real fast. You're like, sorry, let that one slip. That was me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, um, <laughs> I, I pass gas when I get nervous. I mean, it's like you're in the bunker. You can't get out and break wind. You know what I'm saying? Have the vapors. Um, some of y'all need to watch Little House on the Prairie. Anyway, um, so... It increases whether you're exhausted, irritated, or just in some kind of weakness. It's not able to separate us from the love of Christ. Never allow the things of this world to separate you from remembering that God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And because he loves you, you get to love other people. It's just that simple. Even if they hurt you, it's your choice how you love. And if you will hunker down in the bunker, you will grow in intimacy with those around you. Or you can isolate yourself and feel like everyone around you is judging you. Those are your options, really. But we had no time for that. Um, I'm going to keep going because I'm going to run out of time. This is my last thing. 
So I read this story a couple months ago, and I haven't been able to, like, get it out of my, myself. It's been stuck. It's in 2 Samuel. So David used to fight a lot. Um, if you like Lord of the Rings and Braveheart and stuff like that, you should just read about David fighting. It's pretty amazing. If you don't, you could still read about it, but you might get sad because it's a lot of fighting. A lot of killing going on. So he says in 2 Samuel, Now the Philistines came up once again and spread themselves out in the valley of Rephraim. When David inquired of the Lord, wait a minute, you know, mean David didn't know what to do? I mean, he is the leader of that army. No one had a heart towards God like David. He had to ask God questions. You think you already know what to do because you did it before? Probably not. (laughs) David didn't know. He was like, oh, Lord, what do I do now? Okay, so Lord says, this time, uh, if you read before, they had just been at war, okay? And they had been at war many times. He says, this time you shall not go directly up, but circle around behind them and come in in front of the balsam trees. It shall be when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees. Then you shall act promptly, for the Lord will have gone out before you to strike the army of the Philistines. Then David did so just as the Lord had commanded him and struck down the Philistines from Geba as far as Gezer. You always wondered where that word came from, geezer. There it is. Um, so y'all remember the Peter thing where it's like, okay, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, God. And God's like, no, I'm getting it ready for you. He did that with David too. So David could have fought this battle just like he did the one before and lost. It's fine. You've done that. I know me too. Where you like fight the battle like you did the last one and you're like, oh, bad idea. <laughs> Didn't work. It worked last time. This time, not so much. So, God said, did you see that where he said, and I'm going to go before you? This thing is weird with the verses. Don't go directly. He says, Lord, um, I will have gone out before you. It's in verse 24. That's a good thing. When the Lord goes before you, he's bigger than you. So David, the sign that David was to go was that he would hear the marching in the tops of the trees. Think about this. Have you ever heard trees in the wind, their leaves? You've heard that. Were you in the middle of traffic in downtown New York when you heard that? Were you listening to a bunch of your friends? Were you talking on the telephone? Were you? It's not a loud sound. You know, when the wind blows through. He didn't even say the wind. He's like the marching. They're going to be marching, and it's going to shake the trees. And when the leaves make a sound, that's when you're going to go. It's just... He didn't say when the sirens go off or the, the bells start ringing or the trumpet. He's like, when the leaves rustle in the top of the trees. That's his, like, word. Okay. Just with that in mind, if you're distracted, are you going to hear things like the rustling of the leaves? This is, like, this is like how God was directing David. And he d- says God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he still gives us these subtle little things, you know? And we're like, is that it? Is that it? Do I go? No. And then you, get, you see the thing, you're like, oh, that was it. That's it, okay? It's really important as disciples that we can hear the rustling of the leaves. David couldn't be thinking if Shema had his sword sharpened or if Zalman had eaten more than his share of breakfast or if Jonathan had his best interest in mind or be offended with Eleazar. 
These are all David's mighty men and his best friend. He couldn't be worried about that. All David had to think about in that battle was one thing. What was it? The rustling of the leaves. He did. He defeated the army, right? But sometimes we open that door to our dark closet where we didn't want anyone in to start with. And we're like, okay, let's do this. I'm going to get free. This girl preached at church, and she said to let God in, and he will love me and set me free. And we do it, and then it hurts, and then we start looking around, and we're like, well, you didn't respond like I wanted you to, and you, and you, um, well, that hurt even worse than I thought it was going to, and I'm thinking about closing this door back, and, and, and I knew this is what was going to happen anyway, and it's chatter. All that is is chatter. The rustling of the leaves. It'll be different every time. So that's why it's important for your decision to let God in to not be about any of us. But it'll be about the man that can set you free. So if you don't trust him, it's a good day to say, all right, I'm going to try trusting you again. And you have that conversation with him. And you get this in, in with him. See, I had a big, loud conversation with God about Amber and Naya. And then I told everybody else because God said, he told me my rustling of the leaves. He said, you got to have more love. I said, okay, let's get some. So I got some more love. And it was about God giving me more love. It wasn't about what anybody else could do. So you need to get with God. Just like David did, remember, he had to ask some questions. He said, um, he inquired of the Lord. Like, inquire of the Lord. You are not smarter than David. He made a lot of mistakes. You probably are like him in that. I am. He loved God. He asked a lot of questions. Ask questions. All right, this is my slide that's funny. I think, look how little that is. Anyway, it's not too bad. Um, it's really big on the computer, isn't it? <laughs> you, can't, you can't see it. <laughs> I tried. I really tried to make it big. I sat over there and thought, I'm making this so big. So um, if that's you, if you're like, I'm not sure if I can trust God. I don't know. I don't know about this whole thing. As you get older, you'll realize that he is faithful because you'll get to see him complete works. It's so fun. Getting older is so fun. You get to see him complete works. You're like, whoa, wow, that was amazing. Uh, Travis was talking about David Hogan, one of my favorite Slogans from David Hogan, stay put. Stay put. People don't stay put. I'm like, oh, all right. Now you move when he says move, but you don't move because you're uncomfortable. You don't move because it didn't look like you thought it was going to look. Stay put. One of my favorite stay puts is Mike Ricks. Um, any of y'all know Mike Ricks? When I say that name, only three of us, four or five. Jesse, Hannah. Oh, Allison, you know Mike? Anybody else know Mike? So Mike was a youth pastor for 27 to 30 years. I know it was more than 27, but I don't know. Did they, did they say at Broward how long he was there? I know he did a 25th anniversary a couple years ago. Okay. At Briarwood Baptist Church in Watkinsville. That is a long time to be a youth pastor. 
Think about it. Think about what you pastors do. How many lock-ins did he have to do? How many girlfriend and boyfriends did he have to watch break up and cry and snot? And he'd be like, I'm so sorry. Just another one, you know? And show compassion. Like, how many times did he do that? How many parents did he have crying in his office because their child was rebellious? I cannot even tell you those numbers. But he said something to me one time. He said, if you stick around long enough, you get to see it all pay off. He said, but most people leave right after they plant their seeds. Seeds are in the ground. And you think, I did all that hard work for nothing. Because <laughs> they are acting like they're going to hell. And I swear they got saved at revival. <laughs> I prayed with them. It was real. <laughs> and I heard what they were doing in college. Oh, my word. Yep. And then they quit. And they go on and become pastors and try to take care of adults. I mean, it's even crazier with adults, okay? So, um, so. That's the journey of a youth pastor usually is they just, it's real discouraging, honestly, because you work hard and they don't listen. Remember when you were a teenager? I mean, you listen a little bit more now because you got burned a little bit, but you realize people are smarter than you thought they were. The older you get, the smarter my parents get. My gosh, they're smart. Um, so this is just a little prayer that can help get us free um, and help us stay put. And I'm going to stick it up here. And maybe if you take a picture of it, you can enlarge it on your phone. It's from Elijah House with a little bit of change from Jessica. My ministry is called God Being Awesome. Anyone can do it. Um, because it's all about the Lord. It's not about you at all. Your ability to hear the Lord or pray right or say the right thing. It just has nothing to do with us. It's all about him. So if you find yourself as that person that has a hard time trusting, this is a good prayer for you, and we're going to pray it. Um, I did have one word for someone. It's, um, and Kimberly introduced me, but tell me your name one more time. Rob. So um, in Matthew 5, it talks about being the salt of the earth. But right after that, it says that, um, that you're a city on a hill. And I just felt like the Lord wanted you to know that like he created you to be a city on a hill. That your light literally cannot be put under a basket. That God created you to shine and to draw people unto himself. And that your kindness and your intentionality and the way that you pursue people relentlessly, like you're like, I don't care if you keep shutting the door, I'm going to keep knocking. That that is your light. And God put that in you. And he made you really special. And that he's really proud of you. He's proud of the way he made you. He's proud of the way he's crafted you and the way that you use the gifts that he's given you. I wanted to share that quickly before I do this. Do you have anything? All right, y'all can stand up. <clears throat> if you think you don't need this prayer, it's okay. You can pray it anyway. <laughs> if you're like, I got all that. Like, good, you can preach next week. Um, so I'm just kidding. I mean, we all need this is what I'm trying to say. So... I'm going to pray for y'all. Y'all can pray after me because I think that's too hard to read. Lord, I realize I don't know how to make forgiveness happen. I cannot cleanse my own heart or change the way I feel. I don't know how to trust. And I'm afraid to hold my heart open. 
Today I make a choice to forgive. I know I will have to choose to forgive again and again until you make forgiveness real and complete in me. God, give me the willingness and strength to keep choosing until forgiveness is accomplished in me. By your power. And this part you do in your heart, just begin to say, I choose to forgive. And whoever comes up, whatever comes up, people that have hurt you, circumstances, situations, maybe the way the Lord has responded to you. Just begin to forgive. I choose to forgive. And as you forgive them, venture over into asking the Lord to forgive you for your sinful response. And our sinful response is, is the lack of forgiveness, the lack of love for turning your love off due to the pain. And you can pray after me. I let go of all resentments. And bitterness stored up in my heart. Wash me clean. Forgive me for all the condemning judgments I have made. Give me a new and right spirit that will enable me to hate sin, but look with compassion and love upon sinners. Heal the wounds in my heart and pour your love in. And you can begin to bless those that have wounded you. And so those same people that you forgave, ask the Lord to bless them. And the last part, you can pray after me. Father, forgive me for projecting my childish pictures of authority onto you and onto others, especially those I love. Bring those pictures to death. Bring my childish ways and expectations to death. Let your light shine into all the hidden places of my heart. Enlighten the eyes of my heart, Lord, to see you and love you as you really are and walk in your ways. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, that you sent Jesus that we could always be loved. Wow. We can always be loved. That you will make us your disciples by pouring your love in, that we may pour it out. So this morning, if you want to go deeper in trusting the Lord, if you want to know Jesus, if you say, I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I need help. If you need healing, if you're ready to face your giant and you need an army, come up and let us minister to you. Let us love you. Our ministry team can come up. We're going to worship.